Welcome to the Seeking Proof Finding Grace podcast. I'm your host, Ron Campbell, and this week and every week, I want to challenge you with what may be one of the most important truths possibly in the entire universe. God loves you. Now, I know what you're thinking. If you're a skeptic and you really don't believe that there is a God, that's kind of a ridiculous statement. And don't worry, I'm not asking you to believe that there is a God. We're going to address that a little bit further down the road. But right now, I want you to keep open the possibility that if there is a God, he loves you more than anything you could possibly imagine. Just keep that possibility open for a little while. You may be somebody who doesn't know. You're on the fence. You don't know if there is a God. Maybe you suspect there is. Maybe you're just not sure. But one way or another, you kind of figure that if there is a God, the last thing that he could be is happy with you right now. Don't ever believe that lie. God loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And not only are we going to show that there is a God in the weeks to come, but we're also going to show that he absolutely loves you, and that's the reason he created everything you see around you. Maybe you're a believer, someone who identifies as a Christian, and you've got questions for things that possibly you've heard on the internet or read someplace, and you just want to address some questions to some answers that you're just not sure of. This is the place, no matter where you fall on the scale, this is the podcast for you. So what do you do when you're trying to answer some of the most difficult questions out there? There's a couple of things that I think that you do. Number one, you don't shy away from the truth. You follow the truth wherever it may lead you, no matter how that impacts the views that you may hold. You want to find the truth and you roll up your sleeves and you go after that no matter where it takes you. You also don't lean on blind faith. I've got a a good friend, and he and I have been debating these issues for years, and we've always stayed good friends. But one time he looked at me and said, you know, the difference between you and I is that I don't take anything on blind faith. I I was amazed when he said that, and I, I think somewhere deep down he really believes that, I think he believes that Christians think something like this. You, y'all, I ain't got no answers. But I'll tell you, I have faith that at every step of the way, It just works out okay. Oh, no, no, that is not what Christians believe. Nothing could be further from the truth. I think we can all agree as we go forward that leaning on blind luck, that's that's a bad thing, and we're not going to do that. Don't worry. But at the same time, let me offer you something very similar that you may not have considered. I want to read a quote from Richard Dawkins' The God Delusion, and this is addressing the topic of how did life originate? Where did life begin? It needs some luck to get started, and the billions of planets anthropic principle grants it that luck. That's a a lot of luck so far, but we'll keep going. Maybe a few later gaps in the evolutionary story also need major infusions of luck. That's that's leaning on a lot of luck, it seems like. And and we're going to address all of Richard Dawkins' quote in the episodes to come, and We're going to try to wrap a little bit more context around them, but it seems to me that if we're all in agreement that we shouldn't lean too heavily on blind faith, and we shouldn't, it would be equally wrong to lean on too much blind luck. Too much luck can become very problematic as well as we look at all of this. And so we want to balance those scales as we go forward and make sure that we're honestly addressing all of these issues as we move forward. I think we can all agree to that. So how do we approach this and what do we do? I want to propose five different things that I think will help us along our journey. And if we do these things, I think we'll get to better answers much faster along the way. Number one, 
put everything in the proper context as you move forward. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that, and I think it'll help il illustrate the issue. Several years ago, I gave my wife an idea for Christmas. Now, if that's all the information that I gave you, you're going to think the same thing that I do. You gave your wife an idea for a Christmas present. That is lame. You couldn't come up with any good presents. You wrote something down on a piece of paper. You put it in an envelope. You threw it under the tree, and you hoped you could pull one over on your wife, right? That, that's what I would think if somebody told me that. Let me give you a little bit more information, though, and see if it changes your mind. The idea that I gave my wife was for a bucket list trip to Tokyo. We've been talking about starting to take some bigger trips in our life, and we had kind of been walking through some things. And so I took her out for dinner one night, and I gave her this idea a week or two before Christmas. We spent all evening talking about it, and her reaction was the same as my reaction had been initially. You know, we can't do that. We don't speak the language. It's halfway around the world. It's kind of an intimidating thought. And I had been walking through all of these things for the two weeks before, and I really felt like I had answered some of those questions. So we spent the entire night talking about the idea. And we kicked it around and we decided what would the trip look like and where would we go and what would we do and what is the technology available that helps make a trip like that possible. And by the end of the evening, we had kind of settled in on we thought we could do it. And over the next couple weeks and months, we spent a lot of time walking through what this would look like. And we, we had this amazing time as a couple thinking about it. It wasn't a tangible gift that you put underneath the, the tree and you unwrap. And yes, don't worry, I gave my wife several other gifts that year as well. But we spent an enormous amount of time together thinking and dreaming and, and coming closer together. And one of the things that helps you as a married couple is dreaming together and living life as close as you can together. This strengthened our marriage. And it was a wonderful thing that we shared between us. Of all the things I got her that year, no question, the idea was the best gift that I gave her. So when I tell you I gave my wife a, a, an idea for Christmas in the proper context, that sounds a whole lot different, doesn't it? I've been amazed at how many things I hear people try to address, questions that just they're adamant that don't make any sense, and they seem like contradictions in the Bible, and they seem like all these difficult things, but when you put them just in the tiniest bit of context, you're going to see those questions open up and just disappear in a great many ways. During these first few weeks, we're not going to jump into immediately, does God exist or does he not exist? We're going to wrap some context around the journey that's going to make a whole lot more sense as we go forward. Second, Look for the real question that you've got and not just an example of it. What do I mean by that? Let's say, for example, your problem is the idea of pain and suffering. And how can a loving God allow all of the pain and suffering that we see around us? Okay, that's a good question. But don't try to make the question every example of pain and suffering that you see around you. The issue is one issue, pain and suffering. But trying to address every example of pain and suffering, that's, that could go on endlessly because we as human beings do a really good job of generating situations with pain and suffering. Don't try to address a million different examples. Drill down to what is the basic problem. Once you find that basic problem, then you can address that and you can wrap, again, some context around that that will help you complete the journey in a much faster way. Number three. 
just because someone dislikes God or just because someone disagrees with God, that doesn't actually disprove God's existence. You know, next week we're going to talk about one of Richard Dawkins' quotes about God that uh, is really an impressive list of things he disagrees with God about. But that list, no matter how impressive, doesn't disprove God's existence. Like I said before, I want you to keep open the possibility, not only that God exists, but that God loves you. And just because you may not like the, the way things look around you, and just because we may not always agree with some of the things God says, doesn't actually disprove that God exists. You know, free will is going to be extremely problematic. And as we move forward, our free will is going to create a lot of difficulties, not just for us, but for God as well as we're working forward through all of this. So don't reach a conclusion that God can't possibly exist because I disagree with the way things are around me. Keep open that possibility that God may exist and you may still disagree with some of the things that you see around you. Both can actually be true. You know, I've heard Christopher Hitchens many times discuss God from the perspective that God is this heavy-handed dictator and that God crushes our free will and does all of these things to keep us from doing what we want to do. And yet at the same time, he also seems to think that God is this absentee landlord, careless and incompetent, and, and he doesn't ever pay attention to his creation and does just a terrible job of managing these things. I always wanted to ask Christopher Hitchens during his debates, well, which is it? Both don't seem to be possible that they can be true. So again, don't necessarily focus in on the things you disagree with God about. Let's focus in on first, does he exist in context? Let's take that journey. What is his purpose? Who is he? And then we can start to address some of those other issues. Fourth, and this one's critically important, be ready to receive the answer to a question that you may have. So what do I mean by that? Let me give you an example. You know, I've seen so many Q&A sessions and debates where someone asks a question and they're really not interested in the answer to the question. They're really trying to use the question as a vehicle to disprove what the presenter is saying. And I understand the purpose of that. But if you're going to ask a question, it's critically important that you actually receive the answer to the question. It is possible that each one of our worldviews might be incorrect. And in receiving the answer to a question, our worldviews could change. We might learn something different than we ever knew before. We might actually receive a truth that is greater than anything we ever imagined when we ask the question. So be willing to receive the question. I want to give you an example from the Bible, actually, that I think really well illustrates this issue. Jesus is being delivered to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, and this is right before the decision is made to send him to the cross to be crucified. Now, Pilate is a politician. He wants peace and he wants quiet. That's the way that you survived as a Roman governor. You kept the peace and quiet and the army didn't have to get involved. So he also recognizes that Jesus has been brought before him by the religious leadership of the day, the Sanhedrin, because they don't like him. They're jealous of, what, of the following that he's got. They don't like where things are going. And Pilate recognizes that Jesus has no business being here. He really hasn't done anything worthy of what he's being accused of. So Pilate wants peace and quiet, but now all of a sudden he's got a problem, and he's got a crowd that's growing increasingly unruly, and he's got to do something about it. This is from the book of John, chapter 18, verse 37. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. 
For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? Okay, I want to stop right there because I'm probably not putting enough emphasis on how Pilate said that. Pilate doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want any part of this. And when he makes that comment to Jesus, it's a rhetorical question. He's not really asking the question to get a good answer. He's asking a rhetorical question because he's frustrated. Jesus claims to be the truth, okay? He claims to be witness to the truth. And Pilate is just sitting there going, I don't want to deal with any of this. What is the truth anyway? And he marches back out to go face the angry crowd to do something he doesn't really want to do. But just consider for a minute, from a Christian perspective, Jesus is the creator of the universe. What if Pilate would have just stayed and listened to the answer to the question, what is truth, from the creator of everything around him? That might have been one of the most amazing passages in the entire Bible. But Pilate just groaned and headed back out to deal with the angry crowd. Listen. Just be willing to listen and receive the answer that you get. If you've asked a question, it's an important question. Be willing to receive that answer and then move forward. Maybe that's a good segue into point number five. Let's say you go into work one morning and you stop for breakfast at your favorite fast food restaurant. I know you probably shouldn't do it, but you do it anyway every once in a while. And you pull up to the cashier's window, and the cashier looks at you and says, hey, the car in front of you paid for your breakfast. They just wanted to say, have a blessed day. Well, how do you respond to that? It's really a cool thing when it happens. And most people, you know, okay, kind of honk the horn a couple times and wave and say thank you. Because somebody did something nice for you. You don't look at it with suspicion or anger. You don't write down their license plate number and call the police and try to find out what they were up to or... Or get angry because, well, they just bought my breakfast and not everybody's, and that's not fair. You, you respond accordingly because something nice was done. And if you'll forgive the kind of crude analogy, I, I don't understand sometimes the amount of anger that's poured into this issue. You know, as we're looking at these questions, were we created or did we evolve? Critically important question. I totally understand. If we were created, well... Who is God? And can I get to know God? And finally, once we've answered those questions, then we have to look at those really difficult questions, the things that really impact us close to home, those questions of pain and suffering and all of those why questions that we have that are so critically important. When we look at those issues, I, trust me, I, I very much understand but I don't always understand the response of Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens and, oh my goodness, a lot of the stuff that I see online. I don't always understand all of the anger that's attached to those responses. When you look at the gospel message, the gospel message is an amazing message that's full of hope. So what is the gospel message? It's very straightforward. Before God laid the foundations of the world, before Jesus laid the foundations of the world, he looked forward in time recognizing that the only way he was going to get us into an eternal relationship with him, that was his goal, was to go to the cross. It was going to take him going to the cross to get us into eternity with him. The problem is us, not him. And he recognized that, and he was willing to pay that price. So he waits until the perfect moment, 2,000 years ago. 
And he lays down eternity and becomes one of us. He's born as a man, Jesus Christ, in Bethlehem all those years ago. We all know the story. He lives a perfect life. And at the perfect moment, and I want to stop for a second. He lives a perfect life teaching everybody who God is and correcting so many misconceptions that people had, that people had about God. He spends a perfect life teaching and doing as much as he possibly can. And at the perfect moment, he carries the sin debt of all of mankind to the cross and pays it in full. He was buried in a tomb, and on the third day, God raised him from the dead, promising that someday he would do the same for us as he brings us into eternal relationship with him. Now, whether you believe the message or not, not what I'm after, but when you look at the message... If we were created, and if the God of the Bible is that creator, that's the, to steal a line from Mercy Me, that is the best news ever. Oh my goodness, that's the best news ever. You have God who has come, who loves us so much that he's come down in the flesh to become one of us. He suffers like one of us. He lives like one of us. And he loves us so much, he dies for us. You could have no greater sacrifice or gift or outpouring of love than that from your creator. That's, like I said, the best news ever. Not asking you to believe it. I'm just putting the message out there. So if that's the gospel message, how do you respond to that message? That's the first question. I'm not suggesting for a minute that you don't ask God difficult questions and you just take all of this on faith. That is not what I'm saying. And I, I I'm, trust me, I'm not going there. But what I am suggesting is, if you go into it with an open mind, I think you're going to get a better result. You know, when I read Richard Dawkins, or when I listen to Christopher Hitchens, and I watch one of Hitchens' debates, they're, they're tremendously entertaining to watch. But when you do that, one of the things I'm struck by is, so many times, no one is addressing their issues with God. They're, addre they're addressing their issues with this straw man that they've created. This straw man of what religion is, of what Christianity is. It's amazing in this book, so many times Dawkins talks about things that happened in the Middle Ages. Okay, lots of bad things happened in the Middle Ages. I kind of get that. But we do have five, six, seven hundred years of, you know, history recorded since the Middle Ages. We probably can analyze things outside of that. He makes some attempts to do that. But there's so many, and, and don't worry, I promise, we're going to analyze Dawkins a lot more down the road. But when you're looking at this, give it a fair shot. When you go into this, looking at what the gospel message is, that's a pretty good message. And if it's true, you really want to analyze that message. You want to analyze these questions with an open mind as you go into it. If at the end of the day, you look at it and decide, you know what? I understand what the message is, and I don't believe it. I don't believe it because these different things. Okay, that's one thing. I get it. But I don't know that that involves an enormous amount of anger and distrust and, and all of the things that I see, especially, like I said, online. Go into it with an open mind. Go into it with an open mind and, and see if you don't get maybe a little bit better answer. When you reach that point of making a decision, and if you reach that point of making a decision where you look at it and say, you know what, I'm ready to start a relationship with God. I'm ready to move on to that next level. Don't delay. Don't wait until, you know, you've thought about it some more or, or come back to it tomorrow or do something like that. There's always going to be something that gets in the way. And I think one of the most difficult parts of all of this is 
if you keep asking question after question after question, eventually you get tired and walk away. You know, God's never going to walk away from you, but eventually I think we all get tired of pursuing things and we finally just kind of give up and walk away. There are some questions that are really important and need to be addressed. There are other questions, probably not so much. You know, you can ask God questions once you're in a relationship with him. I would love to know the answer to the question, mosquitoes, why? Why do we have mosquitoes? I hate mosquitoes. They drive me crazy. That question can probably wait. I, that really doesn't separate me from an eternal relationship with God. I, I'll admit that one. There are important questions out there. Mosquitoes, probably not one of them. So when you've gotten to that point of having addressed the important questions and you're ready to take that next step, how do you do it? Very straightforward. And all you do is pray a very simple prayer and mean business with God. And you take that next step into an eternal relationship with him. Pray this simple prayer. Jesus, I accept you into my heart as my Lord and as my Savior. I believe that you are God's only begotten Son. God loved us so much, he gave you to us. You lived a perfect life. And when the time came, you paid the price on the cross for my sin debt and the sin debt of all of mankind. And I accept your sacrifice as payment in full for all of my sins. You were buried in a tomb and on the third day, God raised you from the dead. And you now sit at God's right hand side in heaven, ready to come back here to gather all of us up to bring us home to heaven to be with you. That's all it takes. That's all it takes to begin an eternal relationship with God. Now, on next week's episode, we're going to introduce everybody to who is God through his own words. And looking at one of the most famous stories of the Bible, we're going to really start looking at this question of who is God. I want to thank you for joining us this week. If you've got questions about anything, don't hesitate to drop us an email at prooftograce at yahoo.com. You can also find us on our website at prooftograce.com. And I'd love it if you would click the like and subscribe button on this video. We would love to have you join us each and every week. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you so much. And like I said at the beginning, the most important truth of the universe, God loves you. Don't ever forget that. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.